What a joy to celebrate being cleansed by our Lord Jesus Christ and to be able to celebrate the ordinance of baptism this morning. Coming today are two of our children who made decisions for Christ earlier in the year, and now that we have the baptistry open again, we get to celebrate with them. First we have coming, Madeline Johnson. Madeline, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. (laughs) Next we have Tucker Landry. Tucker, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. As we continue to worship, may you celebrate what God has done in your life as well. I'm so thankful for these students up here today, amen? So thankful for them leading us in worship. Yeah, give God the glory today, amen? We're gonna sing some songs that we sang at the Evangelism Conference on Student Night. If you listen to Christian radio at all, you probably heard them, heard this one. And then we're gonna sing How Great Thou Art, amen? So why don't you join your heart with ours? Stand together and let's sing One True God. One voice in the dark, a song that lights up the stars. One breath that gives life, one sovereign in power, who speaks with thunder and fire. One Lord, one King, there is no other that can compare to you. Yes, we have seen the glory of the one. 
Joy shall fill my heart. 
Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you so much for your love, for your forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for these two hearts that were baptized today. Lord, we ask you to be with their family. Help us as a church family to lead, guide, and direct them. Lord, we're also thankful for the youth that are here. Lord, we ask that you be with their leaders and their teachers. Be with Brother Stewart as he brings the message to us today. Help those that do not know you to open their hearts and let you come in. Forgive us where we failed you, for it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Sally and Josh. Josh is a brand new intern with us, working with our youth and with our music ministry. And so, Josh, great job. Great to have you with us. Uh, God is doing great things in our church. And thank you, youth, for great uh, joining us in leading worship this morning. Don't you love watching the, the expressions on those girls' faces as they worship? They have a genuine uh, love for worship. And uh, many of us could do well to mirror that back at them. God is doing a great thing in their lives. I wanted to share with you an announcement today. Um, we had the uh, baby bottle fundraiser that we brought back last week, and um, Claire Lemoyne, who's the executive director over at the Sinlaw Pregnancy Center, emailed me uh, this week saying she was contacting us with a grateful heart. Uh, the grand total from our church is over $3,500 that we were able to give last week. And she put amazing and said, there are no words that I've found to adequately express the thankfulness I feel in my heart and soul for the degree of support from so many people. I've learned to simply say thank you. I'm praying for you and your church family and because of loving people who know the truth about life and how the Lord desires for us to respect all life, this center will thrive and is part of the journey to ending legalized abortion in this nation. Thank you, church, for supporting that uh, so generously over the last um, a couple of weeks. I also wanted to recognize... Uh, Brother Norris and Miss Donna Landry. Norris and Donna, would y'all please stand up? These are the pastors at Point of Life Church in Plosheville. And um, Norris and Donna, that's, the, that's one of the mission churches that we help support. It's where I got to go on uh, New Year's Eve and got to worship with them. Of course, they're here for their grandson being baptized today. And uh, I wanted to let you know, church, something we did this week. Uh, we were going to present it today, but uh, the check got mailed instead of me getting it. Uh, but we have voted to give uh, $2,000 to help them finish up their building. Uh, and so they've received that this last week. They're trying to get into their building. Y'all know how it is having to wait to get into your building, and so we wanted to send them a gift, and our uh, finance committee and deacons agreed to do that earlier this month, so uh, we pray the Lord will stretch that and get you all in that building. We look forward to celebrating with you all. Uh, this last week was busy. 
here. <laughs> and I want to thank you, church, for all your help with the evangelism conference uh, on Monday and Tuesday. You did an amazing job. Uh, how many of you got to come help or at least attend the evangelism conference? Would you please raise your hand? Look at that. A lot of us participated and took advantage of that great opportunity. Um, thank you to our staff who uh, began working months ago to get ready to figure out how to host such a huge event. But um, as our um, Security guys were talking about us over their little wires this week. The staff getting all the credit. The staff. Well, no, it wasn't just the staff. Uh, we had a host of volunteers helping us uh, to pull off that event. And I wanted to recognize some of those. It was really a vast team. And, and I want to just share one example of how well everybody worked. Uh, on Tuesday, we hosted the senior adult luncheon, which was kind of the peak of attendance. And um, we had people eating in the fellowship hall and in the gym. And uh, the caterer didn't have enough water to set out for everybody. And so Joe Colley came and said, Pastor, do we have any water anywhere? I said, I've got several cases in my office for the green room. Give me a dolly. I'll go get them. I grabbed a dolly. I made it about 10 feet. And Edward Futch intercepted, kind of butted me out of the way, grabbed the dolly and said, what do you need me to go get? And he went off and got it. And that's how everybody worked over those two days. And it was amazing. We were able to, to host it. Our courtesy team and parking attendants did everything from helping a lady who fell outside to directing traffic to even dealing with an overflowing toilet. Uh, thank you, team leaders Jan Tullis and Harry Ingalls for your work in getting that together. And those of you who allowed us to use your golf carts, thank you. Uh, Mike and Linda Kennedy helped us be the host with the most uh, this week. We had greeters everywhere. If you got lost on our campus, it was your own fault uh, because <laughs> there were people everywhere helping out with smiles, even late into the evening. And I know your ankles were swelling, but uh, you were here helping us out. Uh, Joe Colley and her team helped feed a couple of hundred teenagers on a Monday evening and then 500 senior adults uh, feeding all those efficiently and effectively. Thank you. Virginia McCann uh, helped keep our green room uh, st stocked for platform personalities. That was over in my office. And, and by the way, have you ever walked into your own space needing to go to the restroom? You open the door and there's Larnell Harris. I didn't need to go to the bathroom anymore after that. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a fantastic couple of days, and, and I could never mention everyone who helped. Uh, if you helped some way, somewhere, would you please stand? That's the only way I know to do it, because you know who you are. I don't even know who all helped. I just saw you around. Everybody, if you helped in any way, please stand. We want to thank you. Uh, we rolled right from the evangelism conference on Monday and Tuesday to Disciple Now this weekend. And Thomas Warsham is going to come and share a little bit about how this weekend went. Thomas is our interim youth minister. So, Thomas, you come on up and share with us a little bit how the weekend went for you. Are you awake? Uh, I'm barely awake, yes. Okay. <laughs> but I did sleep through the night. My baby wasn't there, so uh, sorry, Kara. But <laughs> I'll pay for that later. We had a fantastic weekend. Our students were great. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was unique this year. We stayed out at Tall Timbers. And so we stayed together as, as a body, as a team. And so it was very unique uh, seeing them interact and play with each other, worship together, and serve together. We have a lot of fantastic students. They love to serve the Lord. You heard some of the musical talent here this morning as well. The theme was to be imitators of Christ. And that's a challenge to all of us. 
is that we don't like fake, we like authentic. Uh, I know some of you like to put sugar in your, your coffee and some of you put artificial sweeteners. But let's just be honest, the real sugar is the best, the good stuff. And, uh, you know, we as Christians need to be authentic. We need to be imitators of Christ. And I reminded our students this morning, uh, this is very, very important to remember this, that Jesus says that you will know that you're my, people will know that you're my, my disciples if you love one another. And that's how we were challenged this weekend is to love one another, to serve one another. And I have, I have, uh, I'm very proud of our students. I believe the Lord is going to do some, continue to do some great things in their lives. We're seeing new leadership step up. Thankful to the adults that help serve, help drive, help cook for us and all of our Bible study leaders as well. But uh, we had several students that rededicated their lives to Christ this weekend. Uh, we had several students say, I'm, I'm ready to repent and turn and do things differently. But the one thing I did see this weekend was the unifying of a group and Jesus working in their hearts. I'm proud of you guys. I love y'all. And we're going to serve the Lord together. So y'all pray for our ministry and our students. We pray for our church as well. As Thomas shared, the theme for Disciple Now was imitator, choosing to follow God. And their uh, key verse was Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, which is going to be our focus for this morning. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I preached on this text uh, during our Ephesians series last year, and, uh, but I wanted to include these verses as a, as a, a part of today's message. And uh, when I preached back in the spring, I think it was on this, there was a much larger text together. And so this morning, I want to focus in on these two verses and especially the challenge to be imitators of God. As I reread that in preparation for today, I kept asking, what does it look like to imitate God? I know what it means for a child to imitate his parent because I see that every day in my house. Uh, children learn by mimicking. Babies imitate the sounds their parents make, and that's how they learn to talk. And uh, other children uh, pick up other things from their parents. Our, our children pick up our bad habits as well as our good habits. I know what it means for a budding artist or an aspiring athlete to mimic somebody. Budding artists imitate the masters, uh, and when they do, that helps them learn brush strokes and color combinations. And uh, aspiring athletes imitate uh, their favorite players and stances and, and maybe even go out, uh, out in the backyard after watching a game and try to run a same kind of play that they just saw on television. Uh, many of my early sermons were simply the reworking of sermons I heard from some of my heroes on the radio or through recordings or from conferences. And I mimicked them as I struggled to find my own voice and my own style. I know what it means to even have fun mimicking someone. You know, after hearing my friend Fred Luter preach again at the evangelism conference, I thought, Kevin, that I need to use some of the things that he does, like get me a hanky and be able to swing it around, because that really works. I mean, everybody was like, just, yeah, that was great. Everybody's just riled up, and I thought, man, I'm going to work on that. So I got to thinking, I was like, if Fred were pastor here, what would he say about the evangelism conference? And so I thought it might be something like this. Church! 
You look great. Nothing was second rate. Lonel wailed and the evangelist yelled, David. I gave you a shout out and you didn't even, come on, amen. All right. The sound was loud, but the worship made God proud, Danny. The toilet overflowed, but the glory of God glowed. And now econ is over. It is over. Hallelujah. It is over. <laughs> oh, y'all don't tell Fred I did that. No, no. <laughs> we learn through imitating. We learn through having a good time. We have, we have fun with imitating. But here, Paul says we need to be imitators of God. We should imitate God just like our own kids imitate us because he is our heavenly father. We should imitate God just as we imitate our heroes because he is our ultimate hero. And interestingly, this is the only place in Scripture in the New Testament where we are specifically told to be imitators of God. Now, while it's the only place that that's specifically said, that idea is throughout Scripture. You can remember uh, back in Leviticus, God says, you should be holy as I am holy. And in the New Testament, Jesus encouraged his followers in the Sermon on the Mount to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So the idea of imitating God and following God is there. Remember that originally the Bible did not have the scripture and verse divisions. And so some, some scholars debate whether there should even be a division between the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5. Because they see these things connected. And whether or not there's supposed to be a chapter division there or not doesn't really matter. Because Paul helps us know the thought is connected by his use of therefore. Be imitators of God, therefore. So what's he telling us to be imitators of? We look back at verse 32 and he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you, be imitators of God, therefore. So he is connecting a couple of ideas. Here's what I noticed. Imitating God involves forgiveness, which we pick up from verse 32, and love, which we then get from chapter 5, verse 2. Being an imitator of God involves forgiveness and love. We're most like God when we are forgiving and loving, we are most unlike God when we are unforgiving and unloving. I also notice something else, that imitating is active. Imitating God is active. Forgiving has the idea of continuing to forgive. How many of you have only had to forgive someone you knew once and then they never hurt you ever again? Yeah, I heard the chuckles, right? <laughs> even your family members, even your best friend is going to hurt you intentionally or unintentionally multiple times in your life, and you have to keep on forgiving, right? Well, that's active. It's actively. Now, don't say, well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. We can have that idea, can't we, sometimes? We get so ticked or so hurt by somebody. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Really? Then how in the world can you say you deserve forgiveness from God? Even the least sin you and I commit against God, 
is a far greater offense to him than the biggest offense made to us. Because the smallest offense we've ever done to God still put Jesus Christ on the cross. And so if we want forgiveness from God, then we must be willing to forgive others. Even Jesus in teaching us how to pray in Matthew 6 encouraged us not only to ask forgiveness, but in that the Lord's Prayer, that Lord's Prayer that we know, he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. It's active. Imitating God is also active when it comes to love. Paul uses the idea of walking to teach us. The NIV, which I use, says live a life of love. Your translation which may say uh, walk in the way of love or walk in love. I actually like that translation better because it gets the idea of that word picture of what's happening there. I'm walking a certain way. I'm walking in love. We see a child walking in the way of his or her mom and dad, maybe even taking the exact steps, stepping into the footprints of their mom or dad to walk in the way. And that's what we do as we imitate God. We walk in his footsteps. And Paul here uses the word for love. Of course, that's the God kind of love, the agape kind of love. And here Paul emphasizes the sacrificial nature of that when he says, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice for God. This love that Paul is talking about, that we're supposed to emulate, that we're supposed to, to share, is not a love that is a sentimental feeling. It's not goosebumps and stomach butterflies. It's not Hallmark movie kind of love. It is love that gives all. It's love that counts no sacrifice too small because the love is so great. That's the kind of active love that we're supposed to show if we want to imitate God. Love is not a one-time emotional response to God. Rather, love is the outflowing, it's the ongoing pattern of the Christian life. Well, even after I focused on forgiveness and love, even after I read back through even what I preached on last March on this passage, I still ask, well, what does it look like, though? We're supposed to imitate God. What does that look like? What does it look like to really imitate God? I was struggling with it so much. I, sometimes when I'm struggling with a, a message, I sit down with Rebecca, and I said, okay, here's, where I, here's where I am. Here's what I'm thinking. And, and so we talked about it a little bit, and, and I left to, to go do something else. And I came back, and, and I said, do you think anything? And, and she ended up sharing the exact same idea that I had. I said, you know what? Jesus once told a story in which a character in the story imitates God. And that story is found in Luke 15, and you know it very well as the story of the prodigal son. But a better title might be something like the loving and forgiving father, because he is actually the hero of the story. You don't need to turn there, just know it's in Luke 15, but listen to that story again. Jesus shared the story this way. He said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, father. I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and self-indulgent, he wasted everything 
he had. After he'd gone through all his money, there was a bad famine throughout that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to feed and slop his pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs and the pig slop, but no one would give him any. And that brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my dad sit down to three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. And he got right up. And we went home to be with his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him and kissed him. And the son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants, quick, come, bring this clean set of clothes. Bring a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and slaughter it. We're going to feast. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here. I had given him up for dead, but he's here. He's here. And they began to have a wonderful time. The father imitated God's forgiveness and love. Do you see it there? The son had wronged the father greatly. He had taken advantage of his father. He had disrespected his father. The son took things the father had worked for and used them, abused them, and lost them. The son didn't have any right to demand that his inheritance be given to him early. He, his dad didn't necessarily have to leave him anything, but the son demanded it. And he took it. And he squandered it. And he lost it all. But the father didn't write him off, though he could have. The father could have, received, could have refused to receive him back, but he didn't. The father was an imitator of God. He was waiting. His heart was full of love. Consequently, he lavished forgiveness and love on that prodigal son. That's what it looks like to be an imitator of God. Lavished love. Lavished forgiveness. When it's hard. When it's not deserved. But because Christ has forgiven us. We forgive. Because Christ has loved us, we love. Unfortunately, we're not always the best imitator of God. Jesus knew that. He included in the story an example of what we're often like. Remember how the story continues? All this time, his older brother was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in, and as he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of his house's boys, he asked what was going on. And he told him, your brother came home. 
Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he has him home safe and sound. The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look how many years I've stayed here serving you. Never giving you one moment of grief. But you have never thrown a party for me and my friends. Then this son of yours comes waltzing back in after throwing away all your money. And you throw him an all-out feast. His father said, Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that's mine is yours. But this had to be a wonderful time. We had to celebrate because this brother of yours was dead. And he's alive. He was lost. And he's found. Too often we're like that older brother. Full of unforgiveness. Looking out for ourselves, going around with a chip on our shoulder because it's all about us. Where's my good time? Where's my party? Bitterness and anger growing through unforgiveness, the cancer spreading throughout our body. If the doctor diagnosed you with cancer, the first question you would say is, how do we get it out? You would say, let's have surgery tomorrow. Let's start any kind of treatment. I want it out. That would be our ultimate and immediate decision. And yet so often we let the cancer of bitterness and anger take root and grow until it kills us. I've seen that unforgiveness so many times as a pastor. It's evident at funerals and weddings as family members refuse to speak to one another. It's evident in house calls when people refuse to return to church because of something that happened decades ago. It's evident in counseling when a husband and a wife won't work to heal their marriage. We are too often like the older brother. Sulking, angry, bitter. When we should be full of joy and celebrating. We're to be imitators of God. He never sulks. He never pouts. He is never bitter. He never harbors resentment. He never shuns. He is forgiving. He is loving. You want that from him. You want that from others. So then you need to give it to them as well. Is it imitating God when you gossip about someone? Is it imitating God when you pop off at someone? Is it imitating God when you shun someone? Is it imitating God when you won't, won't receive an apology? Is it imitating God when you refuse to forgive? Is it imitating God when you rip someone in a text or an email or a letter or on social media? Is it imitating God when you do not love? In case you're wondering, the answer is no. When you or I do that... We're like that older brother who missed out while the father was giving out. If you want to be an imitator of God, you've got to be forgiving and loving. So who do you need to forgive today? Maybe it's a parent. 
Maybe it's another family member. Maybe it's a friend, a boss, a business partner, a fellow church member. Maybe it's even yourself. Friend, let it go. Forgive. Forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. It sets you free. Remember that. It cuts out the cancer and it helps you heal. I know forgiveness is hard. It's costly, especially for the person doing the forgiving. Because a lot of times we want something back. We want to get something, but God doesn't say we should necessarily get anything. We're to give the forgiveness. God understands that struggle to forgive. He understands the hurt because he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins and your sins so that we might be forgiven. So whenever you struggle to forgive someone, look to the cross and walk in love just as your heavenly father did. Who do you need to forgive today? Don't leave this place today without forgiving them in your heart. Who do you need to love today? You might say, well, pastor, I love them, but I don't like them. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't love them if that's your attitude. (laughs) That's kind of a safe way out. Well, I love them, but I don't have to like them. Your attitude has to be right. You don't have to be best friends with them. You don't have to hang out with them. But you do have to really love them. And have the right attitude as you do. Who do you need to love today? Who do you need to ask God to love through you today? We need to do business with God. We need to be right with God. We need to be like God. Forgiving and loving. We need to be imitators of God. He's our heavenly father. He's our hero. He's the one that blesses. He's the one that shows us love. He's the one that shows us forgiveness. We need to be imitators of him. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask you to move in our hearts. Lord, there may be unlove and unforgiveness rooted way down in the dark recesses of our life where we haven't gone in a while. And I pray, God, that you would help us to see those places where there's unforgiveness, where there's unlove. And Lord, help us to deal with that today. God, I don't know the ways that people may have hurt members of this congregation. And it could be a really brutal hurt. But God, I pray that in these moments, you'll help us all to be set free from any unforgiveness, any bitterness, any anger. Whoever it was, whatever they did, Lord, may we set it free today. We give it to you. And Lord, help us then to walk in love and to show that love on a daily basis. Lord, help us to look to you as our example, and may we imitate you as that father in the story of the prodigal son did so well. We love you, God, and we thank you for forgiving us and loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.